weather is the international best-selling author of Rich Dad Poor Dad or the co-founder of Match.com or the host of the MSNBC show Your Business they all have one thing in common they are some of the many guests that want you to reach the finish line your host is Callan Diggs welcome and welcome today I am delighted to have Jesse Krieger Jesse is the international best-selling author of lifestyle entrepreneur and also the publisher of lifestyle entrepreneur and uh, I've been following him for a while and he's been traveling all over the world and uh, had a best-selling uh, book in Asia and then had a best-selling book uh, here in the US so definitely a great example of a lifestyle entrepreneur and I'm happy to share him with you Jesse welcome thanks so much for having me Callan I'm great. excited to be here <laughs> it's always a question of how to tell the story right <laughs> you know when I was really young like 13 14 uh, all I really cared about was music. I played electric guitar and had bands throughout high school and really followed music um, all around the world. Lived in Vienna, Austria for a little while and played and traveled around just like living in hostels and stuff. But ultimately decided I wanted to make a push to like really have a band and have a music career. I wound up in Nashville and uh, met who became my bandmate and ultimately first business partner guy named Jake Harsh. We were in audio engineering school together in Nashville mm. and producing artists at night, writing our own stuff, playing out. Ultimately, how it, you know, how I even got into business was uh, at a certain point, I saw that our band was getting to the point where we either had to like pursue uh, getting a record deal or, you know, signing with um, a record label or, you know, I saw the other option was to actually just run our own record label and handle the business side of our career. So I actually got into, I founded my first company at 21, which was a record label. <laughs> and it really only existed for us to be able to um, have our band and pursue our music career full time. But it was my introduction to business. Uh, I got a, a, an advisory board of friends of the family and others I had met through different you know, circumstances and raised money for us hired a manager, hired booking agent, hired a producer to even work on our album, saw it all the way through to completion and ended up uh, releasing our album in 2005 and touring around the country uh, a couple of different times. So it was through that whole experience that I got introduced to business even at all, mm. but still primarily focused on music. Um, but once I saw that you know business itself can be creative, I think is when I got the bug Let's take the next step forward. Let's talk about at the point in where you released the album, uh, you know, as Harsh Krieger, you and your buddy, you know, was touring all over the country. I'm quite sure he was probably enjoying the lifestyle of that, you know, maybe having all the groupies and everyone shouting your name. And, <laughs> it's just... a, sometimes it's a lot less glamorous than it sounds like. <laughs> um, in fact, one of the things was, you know, even in the height of, you know, here I had worked my butt off and we had all worked our butts off and actually had, you know, a career as a band. And what that means sometimes is like driving all night in a van and eating at Denny's at six in the morning and then going to soundcheck. And it's actually a lot of work. I think, you know, the answer to that has led me down 
these much more diverse paths of entrepreneurship that ultimately, you know, culminated in me 10 years later writing Lifestyle Entrepreneur and trying to figure out, you know, what is the rationale that I've looked at to be able to travel and do things that I'm interested in and passionate about and have them be businesses and to make that into a structure, make that into a, um, a repeatable process and system that other people could employ as well. That was my goal in writing Lifestyle Entrepreneur. Yeah. And yeah. I know that it skips over about seven or eight years of entrepreneurship, but it's important to sort of tie the uh, tie those together, I think, and then we can look at anything in the middle. For sure. For sure. So um, let's talk about that. Uh, I mean, obviously you say, you know, you couldn't see yourself doing that, you know, until 40 years old. And maybe someone else will say, well, hey, Jesse, Jesse must be crazy. I would love to have his lifestyle. I would love to be a rock star, travel all over the country. And really, a lot of people do not, a lot of people are just seeing it from one vantage point. You know, by you actually doing it, uh, obviously, it gave you some contrast and it, it kind of clarified uh, what you really wanted. Maybe that is for oh, someone. Sure. But I mean, anybody that, that is thinking, oh, I want to be a rock star and travel the country, well, get out there and start working at it. Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing I've done. That, uh, that, that anybody else couldn't do. Um, and there's nothing that you want to do that you can't accomplish. But the, the, the real thing with entrepreneurship is finding out how much it actually takes to accomplish that. And it's usually a lot more than people bargain for if they do start pursuing it. What prompted you to write the book, A Lifestyle Entrepreneur? What was the inspiration behind writing Lifestyle Entrepreneur? Sure. So... The same idea that sort of had me follow music and see how far I could take it and create a, a record label to support our band and all these other things gave me the firsthand experience that, wow, you can take an idea and turn it into uh, something that exists in the world. And that became so fascinating that, you know, I went on to advise uh, and consult with other companies and actually learned a lot about business and in different industries from consulting with companies and being more of like a, an advisor in some capacity <clears throat> until I got like sort of to a point where I was finally felt comfortable to, you know, start uh, a company from scratch and be the sole person that's running it. And, uh, and in so doing started one of the companies I wrote about in my book called uh, USB Superstore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at that point it was like 2008 I had just read the four hour work week. Um, I was so fascinated. I was like, wow, this guy gets it. Like I had been traveling and spending summers in Europe and mm -hmm. doing a bunch of really fun stuff. And now I was like, okay, there's other, there's a whole community of people that, you know, are pursuing this type of lifestyle and this approach to business. And so I built, uh, I structured the USB superstore from the ground up to be a totally virtual organization. Um, and that's so interesting. Yeah. If, I, if I can hop in right there, Jesse, um, yeah. because as you're talking about, uh, it, it's, it's almost like it's almost like I'm a step behind you in many respects because you know you, you know you've been traveling around the world, seeing Asia, and just kind of being a kind of the nomadic or expat entrepreneur. And that's what I have been doing. And then you kind of and, and, and then as you <laughs> authored a book that has been. Uh, uh, that has been really, uh, you know, has been international bestseller. Uh, you know, you, you, you know, you, you've, you've got a record, you have, you got a rec you have been recognized in, uh, you know, uh, a prolific Asian bookstore, uh, and then uh, also here in the U.S. And you really had the opportunity to connect with your fans there in Asia, and that's something definitely 
I want to do with my book. My book has been international bestseller, but I really, I mean, I really haven't had the opportunity uh, to really uh, get my physical book in some of those bookstores and really connect with people. But now you're, but now you're a publisher now, and then now you're now you're publishing a lot of people books, which is something I desire to be eventually as well. I like to be a publisher myself. So, oh, nice. So it's 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 so interesting to follow your journey because, like I said, in many respects, it's like I'm a step behind you. It's like it's like the things that you have that that, that you have done in the past, I'm doing right now, and the things that you are doing right now, I want to do in the future. So uh, it's very inspiring, well, very, it, very exciting. Uh, I appreciate that. It actually um, it makes me think of an important teaching point, you know, in all of this stuff for people listening as well, is I think. Um, you know, of entrepreneurship as a spectrum, right? And on one end, on one end is you've never started a business, you know, you don't know anything about business. And on the other end of the spectrum is like a Richard Branson or somebody that, you know, has started hundreds of companies and pretty much everybody else is somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I am somewhere on that spectrum, far away from the starting line, but still nowhere near a Richard Branson type of a level. Mm -hmm. And it's, appropriate for people that are a few years behind me on the trajectory that I'm going are the best people to, you know, to work with and inspire and, and help just as the people that are two or three years, four years ahead of where I am now are the people that I try and learn from and, uh, and partner with in order to grow so that we all move sort of in lockstep or at different speeds up this spectrum of experience with entrepreneurship. And that is actually the way I see it. Mm -hmm. So it's funny because we've been playing with the same teams. I mean, you know, I after initially I was published, uh, I had a first publisher was in Asia mm -hmm. and then ultimately from that whole era. And you know, that's what really led me to start Lifestyle Entrepreneurs Press, which, you know, is a, is a modern publishing company where we look at a book as a fundamental part of a broader business and brand. Especially yourself, uh, Jesse, having been to multiple countries all across the world, uh, that you know people really uh, see both sides of lifestyle entrepreneurship. Unfortunately, I think one side is all often sensationalized, and where you, you'll see these publications like you know the Daily Mail, the Guardian, Huffington Post, all these types of publications, and where you know you know people are people have their people have their uh, you know their straw and a coconut sipping on their laptop, and and you know people and, <laughs> and people. I'll tell you what: if I'm sitting on a beach with a coconut, the last thing I want is a computer on my lap. <laughs> if I'm gonna be on a beach. I'm going to be swimming or snorkeling or jumping off of a cliff, not sitting there on my computer. So it, I mean, it's the, the dumbest mischaracterization of being a lifestyle entrepreneur, but I'm, I'm totally on board with you that that's the one that, you know, people see and it makes a good media angle. For sure. It's really not an accurate representation of, uh, of what it's all about, but it gives you a little bit of a taste, I guess. For sure. But a lot of, but often people don't see the other side of it and where uh, the dark times, the struggles, the challenges, you know, like, like typically publications, uh, these publications never uh, highlight these areas. There's always, there's always the, the success, the success. And, and oftentimes I think that does a, a disservice to a lot of people who want to become lifestyle entrepreneurs because oh, it gives absolutely. them a false sense that, oh, well, I mean, now, don't get me wrong. It gives them the confidence and the motivation to take the first step. But at the same time, I feel like it's, uh, it, it's, it's misleading because it does not 
uh, outline the full Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, if you have a two-page article in a publication, at best, you can introduce somebody to an idea that a type of lifestyle or a type of business is possible. But um, to go many, many layers deeper under the surface into the actual, you know, higher level conversations around what it takes to build a business and, and so forth and so on. Yeah, it's a it's a complex topic. And uh, and it's very subjective, right, because everybody's experience is unique. But there are some common threads, some common principles that um, that really help people to, you know, I just always view this as a process of turning an idea or a vision that you have in your head into something that exists, that corresponds in the world. And that process of creation is the process of entrepreneurship. And I think that's something that may not get touched on as much as like this outcome based approach of, hey, you could be sitting on a beach sipping a, a coconut right now. Great. Good for you. Right. You know, you go to a beach. If I sat on a beach for three days, I'd be bored out of my mind, Indeed. <laughs> but I structure my whole life to be a balance of the interests I have, the things that I'm pursuing out of, you know, passion versus the things I do that provide service to others and that have value in the marketplace versus the experience and lessons I want to learn and pursue further, coupled with the teaching and training that I create and share with people as, you know, a resource for them. And that's a more accurate representation of you know, the entirety of, uh, of, of entrepreneurship, at least as, as I experience it now. Absolutely. So you went from having an international best-selling book, first in Asia, then to America. And, you know, I, and I, obviously I'm sure you was very happy with your success, like any author would be. So, you know, the, so from your experience of working with an Asian publisher and an American publisher, and you figured that, you know, hey, I can definitely do the same thing with my own publishing company. You know, perhaps uh, what was Well, that? just in the, in the spirit of <clears throat> saying, like, it doesn't, you know, some of these articles, some of these media angles don't show the other side of the coin. Yeah, it's true. I had did get published in, in Asia, and my publisher worked hard and, and made uh, my book a bestseller in the country of Malaysia and Singapore. Mm -hmm. But that didn't exist in a vacuum, and it didn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a point in time when I was traveling back and forth to Asia every three months or so, mm -hmm. and doing book tours around the country, going to book fairs, meeting people, you know, putting in the work to build a momentum around the book. So, you know, it's one thing to say that, yeah, your book was published in Asia, became a bestseller, and you must have enjoyed that success. Well, sure, I enjoyed it. I do enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. But it was also something that took like 18 months or so to realize. And yeah. that was a lot of ground game, a lot of shaking hands, signing books, speaking on stages, meeting people in the industry that did buying for retail and, you know, the people that basically make decisions on the, the purchasing and the publishing industry over there. Mm -hmm. And that's the step-by-step uh, the -step process Honestly, it works differently in the U.S., and, and I think it's different now than in Asia, some countries where there's still a very big, active book-buying market, like, mm. you know, these book fairs that I go to, there's like thousands and thousands of people, and there's just, it's more common, like Amazon and technology and things, at least in the U.S., has shifted the commercial market for information so much, it's funny that in other parts of the world, it's still a pretty, uh, pretty straightforward game. A paperback book in Asia, 
It was never an electronic. It wasn't a Kindle or anything. Mm. It was a book on shelves and stores. And like, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's pretty different. It, that was my experience bringing it to the U.S. and releasing it through Morgan James. It was like, this is going to take a totally different approach mm. than, uh, than what worked over there. Wow, I, that, that's that's actually very enlightening, uh, Jesse. I'm glad you shared that. And and uh, and what I was saying before, how you kind of must have been happy enjoying your success. I was kind of setting you up, and I'm glad you kind of <laughs> I'm glad you kind of uh, kind of you know went for it and talk about the actual uh, mechanics of all that because it's really important. You know, I think a lot of people still have this mindset that as long as I get the book deal, I just got to write the book, send it to the publisher, and kick back, relax on the couch. All the money is going to start running down. <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately, a lot of, uh, there's there's a, there's a, there's a lot of people who still have that mentality, and really, it's unfortunately just a lot of ignorance that is still circulating uh, that get, that gives people that belief. But um, having yeah. that, well, I don't know. I don't honestly. I'm always curious where people come up with that assumption or that belief that if I just dot dot dot, then this will happen. If I just get a book deal, I saw it all the time in the music industry. If I just got a record deal, everything is going to work out. You know what? The, the, it's funny because tying back together what I really feel now as a publisher, working with ideas, working with books, working with other authors who are in, in their own way artists versus having a record label and working with people that made music is a similar creative approach that involves business. And, you know, it's really never as simple as, quote, just getting a deal. And, uh, and, uh, you know, 99 out of 100 times, that ends up being a losing proposition for the person that uh, just wants to hand over control of their career or their creative work uh -huh. and hope somebody else is going to administer it or market it better than they could or will. Uh -huh. So if you just get that idea out of your head, then you become your own best advocate for your work and for its success. And, you know, how that's structured and administered becomes, you know, the way you, you build your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and this, this is the industry is changing, you know, even even music and you're looking at books. But uh, traditionally, it's still the same way. And where whether it's a record label, they give you in advance, whether it's a book publisher, they give you in advance. And really, uh, unfortunately, I I'm, I mean, I, I know you know this, Jesse, but for the listeners, unfortunately, people, they take that advance, and usually when people watch these music videos, they, they buy a new car, they buy a penthouse, they buy these typical things, and really, that advance is, is for you to market yourself, you know, it's, it's, it's for you to publicize yourself, and it's the same thing with a book, you know, you know, I mean, obviously, the advance for a book is probably not as big as the advance for a, a, record, a, rec a record deal, but it's the same it's the same purpose. <laughs> yeah, well, here's here's a secret. Music and in books, you don't make money off of selling your music. You don't make the real money off of selling your book. Mm -hmm. And uh, and any advance you get is it's just basically another way of saying you'll probably never see any other money for this creative work again, mm -hmm. uh, unless you <laughs> unless you overcome some very very big um, hurdles in terms of marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not in my mindset. We, as a publisher, I don't offer advances. In fact, people pay in for service fee that we do that makes their book look great and does the strategic planning and helps them actually launch and, uh, and get it into thousands of people's hands. Mm -hmm. That's worth more than somebody stroking a check, which honestly doesn't really even happen. Anybody I know that's getting advances in publishing already has an audience of tens of thousands of people and a business that's at mid six figures or seven figures and above. 
And so the people that get advances, the people that get a six-figure advance for a book deal, um, you could say, in a sense, they don't need it or that it's justified by the guaranteed number of sales that they can expect from their existing audience or business. Want the full episode? You can get it when you become our premium radio subscriber. Go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your subscription today. What do you get? You get things like early access to the episodes, commercial-free one-hour episodes, mastermind calls with our guests, freebies from our guests, as well as much more. Go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your premium subscription for it's another way for you to start reaching your finish line. Definitely as an author, you learned a lot. And uh, at that point, you felt that you was ready to become a publisher. Again, you, 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 saw, you saw a lot what worked from the Asian market. You saw uh, what worked in the U.S. market and definitely uh, gave you the confidence to say, hey, I could do this. I can do this myself. Let's, let's revisit that first initial experience, Jesse, uh, of you saying, you know, hey, you know, I want to be a publisher. Let's, you know, let's, let's rewind and let's uh, dive into what, what was that experience like? My book, Lifestyle Entrepreneur, came out in Asia. I promoted it for over a year. And then I took that um, momentum and I went to an event that I knew Morgan James was going to be at, basically pitched them on signing me rewrote the book, uh, they released it, and I just expected things to happen as they had before. I expected a lot of marketing support, coordinating book tours and talks, and I realized uh, it was like a splash of cold water in the face. Oh, that's not how it works in the US with book marketing. It's not how it works. And it was a reminder. Um, it was actually a wake-up call where it was like, okay, I could either really pursue this and figure out what good book marketing is, what um, how to, you know, have consistent success with this or just say it was a fun adventure. I released my book in Asia and move on to something else. And I really did weigh the decision of like, do I want to try and pursue mastery within publishing and book marketing? Or do I want to just chalk it up to say, I'm glad I wrote my book and got to, you know, share it with people in one part of the world and do something else. Um, and I chose to build a publishing company. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, I started with uh, somebody that I wrote about in my own book. His name's Jasper Rivers. And, you know, he is talking to me about a book idea he had uh, and ultimately became the first book that we published mm. called Get Paid for Your Pad, which is now the, the number one book for Airbnb hosts. Um, and it's a great podcast to do. But, uh, but I, I sort of, before I made any announcement like, now I've run a publishing company. I was like, I'm just going to actually try publishing a few books with people that I know and see if I can figure this stuff out. Well, ultimately what we did with Get Paid for Your Pad when we launched it, it became the number one travel book on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Then it became the number one real estate investment book on Amazon. And we were moving or giving away or selling you know, thousands of units. And I was like, wow, this is... Uh, this is one, this is fun. Two, I sort of figured out more how to marry online marketing with book sales. I mentioned in Asia, my book was only in paperback, so it was a different game. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and after working with a few authors sort of on a speculative basis, meaning they didn't pay me, but we just shared in the, the proceeds from publishing, mm -hmm. then I started to formulate the, the package that I now offer, which is a done-for-you publishing and bestseller launch. And, you know, over the over the last 18 months have built much more structure and formalized 
the uh, the process and have a much bigger team now mm-hmm. than I did then. But it's the same approach of, of working with an author and looking at how does this book fit into your broader um, business and the personal brand, the platform you want to build, and really partnering with them because you know as you've probably yourself realized, Callan, you know having a book and doing book promotions, it's not like a, an overnight thing or it's not like a product launch where it's one day it's here and the next it's gone. It's like every day you wake up, you're an mm-hmm. author. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. So, you know, how do you take the long view? And the long view is what sells books over the long term. And I think publishing is a long time horizon business. I've worked in many different industries, and this is one where, you know, the relationships that develop are, in, are measured in terms of months and years, mm-hmm. not days and weeks. And, uh, and I think that's important if anybody else is saying, oh, I want to get into publishing. I mean, you better be in it for the long term or else you're, you're not going to be around long enough to realize the successes and benefits from building up a catalog. Indeed, publishing is based on royalties. So, uh, you know, a person can't, you know, be a publisher and expect to, you know, be, become the one of the biggest publishers off of one book. Uh, if a person expects to, uh, you know, have a, have a sustaining, have a profitable uh, uh, income uh, as a publisher, uh, you know, it, it takes a catalog of books, and you build upon that, and build upon that, because there's going to be some titles that's not evergreen, and it's going to, it's not going to be relevant anymore, and yeah. and that's what's going to require for more titles to be ready for publication. So definitely, I mean, I def, I absolutely agree with you, Jesse. Like, if a person's going to be a publisher, they definitely have to be in there for the long haul. It's, it's, it's no, it's no kind yeah. of. Well, I'll tell you, Callan. You know, as you said, you want to ultimately become a publisher, mm-hmm. and it might be instructive for everybody listening. I've noticed another analogy, and I think it's true of all creative-based media businesses, so whether that's TV, music, books, films, that there's a power distribution, which means you know one book will sell enough to cover like eight or nine others that just do okay, and some of them that don't do that well at all. Mm-hmm. And it's like you were saying there, and, and it's true that I think the game in publishing, the game in music, is to have enough titles in the market and have just uh, know that over the the larger amount of numbers of people that you work with, some of them will bubble up and become much more successful than others. Mm-hmm. And to just recognize that for one and to get right with it and be okay with it for two, and then to keep looking for how do you add that next big game changer mm-hmm. to the catalog that's going to that's gonna drive consistent ongoing sales. And if you do, then you can build up a truly passive income stream from having a, uh, a residual interest in a number of different creative works in the market that are consumed by different genres, different uh, audiences. Absolutely. So, Jesse, up to this point, how many books have you published so far under Lifestyle Entrepreneur's Breath? We have, I believe, 20 or 21 books in the market right now, and we're actively working on another six or seven meaning they're in the the publication process is usually a three-month process and so we've got six or seven books you know going through that right now and then um, you know I'm talking to authors all the time about signing new authors and uh, and and now focusing on actually publishing the second books for some of the authors that we've worked with right so it's fascinating at this point two and a half years in that uh, there's a couple authors now where where we published their second book mm-hmm. and in, in some cases are looking at doing a whole series, right? And I can see the, it's exciting to me 
both creatively and from a business perspective, that if I'm partnered with somebody to, you know, publish a whole series of books and it's something they'll be promoting for years to come, well, we do have a shared interest and it is really publishing in my view is really a partnership in that respect. Um, and so, you know, it's fun. It's exciting for me because a lot of the, the nature of the work is just working with other people that have a strong vision and helping them actualize it. Um, and in some cases doing the, the groundwork, doing the, um, you know, the, the mechanics of what needs to be done to help make that happen. Indeed. Uh, there was a point you made uh, earlier and, um, I'm sure my listeners would probably kill me if I didn't uh, ask you about it. And actually, it's not just that. It's really, uh, you know, I, I follow this publication called uh, Publishers Weekly. I'm quite sure you're familiar with it as a publisher. But mm -hmm. uh, they also talk about this from time to time as well. And one thing that you stated uh, that is that uh, is that number one, you don't give it advance, you know, which which is actually not, which is actually becoming more common. Uh, among uh, the publisher world now, especially with new publishers, especially with especially with indie publishers, these small presses. But another thing that you stated was that you know authors have to pay into that, and then a, a lot of times when people hear that, some people will scoff at that because they will say, "Well, well, that's not how it really works. You know, a publisher is supposed to pay me." <laughs> well, then uh, then we are not meant to work together. <laughs> If the idea of investing into the success of your book and getting it professionally done, launched, positioned within the market is unappealing, then I already know we're not going to be a good fit. Thank you for listening. Just another great episode by Callan Diggs. If you haven't already, purchase the book Reaching the Finish Line at Reaching the Finish Line. Dot com. Now it's time for you to start reaching your finish line. So what are you waiting for? Start. <laughs>